Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. One thing we have to keep in mind is that, and we talked about it on the show, but at the same time, it comes from two different points. Then all of a sudden, you want to say, oh, well, you know, funny for me. I don't know if I can speak for everybody else. This is Dead in Sports. Welcome to another episode of Dead in Sports. Uh, no, Mr. Dead and Hip Hop yourself today. I am the host and the captain for tonight's FIFO 24-7. I'm joined by the big homie, BZ430. What it do? What up? What up? What's good, brother? How you feeling? I'm amazing. Um, also, Shelton J, what it do? What's happening, man? How everybody doing? Y'all good? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And we have a special guest. Obviously, you already know who brought him on to the show because, you know, he, he brings all of our guests to the show. Go ahead, Shelton. Introduce your guest for us. Man, listen, man, this guy is a person that's instrumental in my life uh, indirectly, whether he knows it or not, because... He was my brother's college coach. Um, he's done some great things as far as college basketball is concerned. He's worked with some some of the greatest players that I know of uh, playing ball, period. Um, you coached at East, uh, I'm sorry, Elizabeth City State. He's coached at Grambling University. He's coached at Voorhees College. So he's been all over the HBCU. And now he's back at Elizabeth City State. And You've been coach of the year in the CIAA. I'm, the, the accolades go on and on and on, and he was an awesome player as well. But his name is Coach Sean Walker from uh, Elizabeth City State University. How you doing, Coach? Well, thank you. Thank you guys for having me. It's going to be fun. Of course, of course. Welcome yes, to sir. Dead End Sports. Um, like, the, like the tagline says, where sports opinions collide, please don't hold back, Coach. Yes, I don't hold, hold back. You're not. <laughs> You're not. <laughs> He, he, he enlightened me last night. Yeah, that's what's up. That's <laughs> this, what's up. Is, this is a true black show, so go ahead yeah. and let loose. Let loose, chill out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> uh, look, everybody. Obviously, we have a very small cast tonight. Um, we got pushed back with some other dead end stuff. Look, man, the business must go forward. The show must go on. So we just, you know, we gotta do what we gotta do. Uh, with that being said, man, the, on the agenda for tonight, we're going to start with Aaron Rodgers. We're going to talk about the Boston Celtics and their future. We're going to talk about LeBron. Then we're going to head over to Coach Sean Walker and then the state of college basketball. So that way, you know what I'm saying, everybody knows what to expect. Um, it's going to be an abbreviated show tonight. But we're going to get through it, man. We're going to hit all the hot topics. All right, so Aaron Rodgers. Obviously, you know, the steam in terms of all of the 
stuff coming out of different camps and different sides. It is slowing down a little bit. I can't remember who I was watching, um, who said it, but they said because it's so quiet right now, that means that people are actually talking in the background. I know we've been talking about um, Aaron Rodgers now for at least two weeks. Do y'all still feel Aaron Rodgers is going to be a Green Bay Packer? That's really tough to say at this point. Um, I saw earlier today similar stuff that they were saying that um, it's going to take basically like a peace offering. Basically, you want to trade Jordan Love, pay this man more money, because money does talk. And that's really the only way that's going to fix this relationship is him not having somebody over his shoulder. Um, That's yet to be seen whether that can happen or not. But I know if Green Bay is smart, they'll make it happen. And the reason being is this man still has a lot of great football left in him. He's one of the greatest ever to play and one of the greatest to be playing at, as we speak. And um, his main receiver, my guy, um, Adams is tied to him. Yeah, Devontae is tied mm-hmm. to him. So Devontae is in the final year of his contract. And whether Aaron Rodgers is back determines whether Devontae comes back. So if mm-hmm. you lose both those pieces, that's the end of the Green Bay Packers. I don't care what you put out there. That's, yeah, that's, that's the, the roster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it. So yeah, that is I don't see how they let him go. I don't see how they can let him get up out of there. They'll they'll have to fix it some way. But you want him in there without lukewarm enthusiasm. You don't want him in there halfway. One hundred percent, Shelton. Uh, I'm not going to go because you know I'm the host, so I'm a, I'm gonna I'm be a little subdued tonight. But I did see reports saying that the Green Bay Packers offered Aaron Rodgers more than Mahomes. Mm. I can see that. I can see it too. I can see that happening because I think it's a situation where Green Bay is probably looking. They probably giving him uh, what you call it. Oh, my bad money. Like, got you. Hey, my bad. Hey, let, let's. Hey, come on. Let's talk this out. Let's let's throw. Let me let me look what you think about these numbers. You know, we still want you to be here because like Shelton said, like you said, like if if he's out of here and if Devontae Adams is gone, that's your offense. And like with no future in, in, in place, you know, at least when, when Brett Favre was on his way out, they had Aaron Rodgers holding the clipboard they knew they had some type of stability future they were looking at. But with this going forward, I don't know if they have like a, a future where it's like, okay, where if Aaron goes, I think they got this guy here that could possibly run the ship. I don't see nothing really promising for green Bay. If, if Devonte Adams and, and they lose Aaron Rodgers, you know, this year. What about you coach? I won't give you guys a, a different twist. Um, Uh-oh. So obviously, from a coach's standpoint, from an administrative standpoint, Aaron Rodgers is not easy to deal with. All right, he's proven mm-hmm. that this is this is this is a s- systemic issue that has gone from coach and coach being removed and not being able to get along with coach to now GM. So I don't know if the foundation of this issue is about money. All right. I don't I don't I don't think that they're going to be able to call him in and say, let's give you this money and then everything is going to be okay because, yeah, it was the Jordan Love situation. That's not even at the core of this. Yeah, that's a little bit of the problem. But the problem is that they have not drafted a support system for him Mm -hmm. past three or four or five drafts. They've gone defense. They've built and made the defense. Um, uh, for Green Bay, their focal point, and kind of forgotten about him, right? So how do you how 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 do you, how does he forgive for that? Um, he he's not as their franchise player as as Allen Iverson would have said back in the days. He's supposed to be the franchise guy, but he does not have a listening ear. 
to to the decisions that are being made there. I don't know how you go back and fix that with money. All right. He's got plenty of money. Although, yes, money does 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 talk and it answers a lot of questions. But the, the issues that he has at this point, I don't know over the few over the years that he's had those issues. I don't know if him remaining there is going to be healthy for the group. Like we heard about Michael Jordan and his Jerry Krause deal in the last dance, right? Nobody, well, no one knew that that was going on at that capacity. Maybe Mike, not Mike, but, but Scotty Pippen or whatever. We didn't know it was going on to that capacity during that time. We pretty much just last week, People were saying that, that, that uh, uh, Aaron Rodgers wanted GM fired and he was associating him with a Kraus kind of situation. Kraus, yeah. So this situation is like really nasty. And one of the things I always know, um, the things that the media actually finds out is 10 times worse behind the scenes, mm. right? It's, it's, it's 10 times, if that, worse behind the scenes. So... The jury's deliberating on whether he'll be back. Um, I mean, Green Bay is in the driver's seat. He's on the con- he's on the contract for a minute, but you know, this guy could mess around and say, "I'm going to retire and, and hold him hostage as well." Um, so this is it, it, it's, it'd be interesting to see what actually happens. Yeah, I think um, you know, coach, as you were speaking, the one player that came to mind was Antonio Brown. Right. Because we never knew how bad it was. It really was behind the scenes. Like we knew he was a diva. We knew that he wanted the ball. We knew he made a fit, but he could also play. Um, But we didn't really know how bad it was. Um, So you're 100 percent right in terms of it being worse behind the scenes. Um, And I also agree. I don't think it's 100 percent about money. Now, you know, the bigger the dollar sign, the more you can persuade somebody. Um, No doubt about that. But I, I also agree it's it's been a systemic thing because it's draft after draft after draft and not even just the draft. Um, I can't remember the wide receiver's name, but um, it was a couple of seasons ago where Aaron Rodgers came out and was saying that, you know, he really liked their third wide receiver. I think he was like an undrafted guy, worked really hard to, um, you know, try to make the squad. And um, the next day, the GM gets rid of him. So, you know, you, you can't do that. If your star player likes somebody, then you, you, keep, you keep that guy. You you know saying maybe you don't pepper the guy you don't give him special treatment you got to earn that but you keep those type of guys around I think that that those are just little viewpoints right that that we can kind of piece this entire puzzle together so it, it's I said it last last week um, and if I didn't say it last week I'm gonna say it now um, I, I don't think Aaron Rodgers goes back uh, I think I think it's a wrap. Um, and I think that there's so many other teams that have so much more draft capital that they can give up to Green Bay. Um, this, that, and the third. And I just think that, you know, this is catching Green Bay with their pants down because I've seen reports where it says Jordan Love is a long way from playing in the NFL. So why you draft that guy in the first round? You know, so they, 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 they're they going to have a lot of explaining to do. But um, I don't think Aaron Rodgers comes back. That's just me. Jordan Love. And I ain't got no sources. Yeah, jo- Jordan Love is going to have a difficult time being ready because he can't be, he can't in that environment get, get number one reps. Like he's not going to get the practice time and the reps behind Aaron Rodgers. So, you know, a lot of this, a lot of this discussion is about Jordan Love. Like, I don't think Aaron Rodgers is threatened by Jordan Love. I don't think he necessarily cared about 
them drafting a quarterback more so than he cares about them not drafting his support system so that they could actually propel their offense to the next level. Jordan yeah. Love is a draft pick that's never that's not going to play. And Aaron Rodgers knows that he's not going to play. So therefore, right. it was a wasted draft pick. And I mm-hmm. think that's where so at the end of the day, as much as Aaron Rodgers is 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 got his chest swollen, um, his feelings are just hurt. So when your feelings are hurt, um and and those your feelings continue to be hurt and not be catered to, then it's probable that he may not return. And like you said, they had guys on the board that could have helped that offense immediately. Right. And could have helped him do what he needed to do. And he knew he wasn't going to be done in a matter of two years. He knows he has more than two years left and he should retire a Packer no matter what. This should have been a foregone conclusion. Aaron Rodgers is going to retire a Green Bay Packer right off into the sunset as one of the greatest players to ever play the game. And that be the end of it. That's what it should have been. He brought a championship there. That's what the call should have been. So it really is, from what I can tell, it is very much so cross-like. In, in the GM's actions, and he should be the one to go. It's, it, if it's him or me, that GM would be out there in the streets if it was if, if it was my program and my organization. Right. There's, no, there's, there's no way I'm going to side with you over the greatest player in this organization's history, especially with the long lineage that the Green Bay Packers have. You know what I'm saying? This is the GOAT. Outside of, outside of Tom Brady, I can't tell you anybody that's, that's better other than, you know, Patrick Mahomes, but you know, that's to be determined as, as we go along. But, yeah, that, it's, it's kind of hard to, to side against that player. And you know what? You know how I know that the Packers messed up? Because it was about a week or so ago that they were talking about, oh, yeah, you know, we really like Justin Jefferson, but he was taken right before we moved up to get Jordan Love. Well, you could have moved up to get Justin Jefferson. Yeah. <laughs> right. You, you, know, you know what I'm saying? Like, if that was really your – uh, goal and your focus and that player was really that high on your draft board and you really wanted to appease Aaron Rodgers and, you know, get this guy over the hump, at least offensively, like a a, a true talent outside of Devontae, that was the guy. And you didn't do it. So so what, what that what that means to me, either you're inept as a scouting and, and just as a front office, or you didn't really care about Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. It's one of the two. You can't have it both ways. Is one of the two. Um, since we're still on football, I know this wasn't part of the agenda that I outlined for everybody. But how y'all feel about Tim Tebow, man, becoming a tight end for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Man, like I said to y'all earlier, this is nepotism at its finest. Mm. <laughs> mm. <laughs> um, I saw earlier somewhere, and I have to find it again. But one of the Panthers players, um, a defensive tackle, said. Uh, Daquan Jones, he said, this, Tim T- this Tebow deal shows that personal relationships go further at this level than actual ability. It couldn't have been better said. Um, and that's in several cases. There's several. The way I look at this more than anything else, I understand that you want one of your guys in there to kind of help teach the Maya way. But you're taking somebody out of a job. That's that's the bottom line. This guy, like like. They showed one other time they tried to catch a pass and hit him in the head. You're taking somebody that deserves a roster spot and deserves a shot out of a job. And it, to me, it's just it's just a not, not a fair thing to do. I understand that, you know, owners can run their programs however they want to. But I just I just don't like it. I, I don't like it at all. Um, I, I don't I just don't like the move. 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. It's like, it's think about all the other tight ends, at least up and coming right now. That's that's you know that's working hard to try to play in this league, and then you got someone that hasn't played the game of football in what eight years? I want to say exactly nine, nine, nine. Yeah, almost a decade. So damn near a decade. This man has not been on the on the. He tried to play baseball at one point. He hasn't been on the football field in in a decade, and now like I I completely agree with you, Sheldon. Like he's taking that opportunity away from someone who's actually probably can is worth getting a shot you know now i'm not saying i'm not hoping or wishing he you know tim tebow have a bad season or he has a bad out if he goes out there and, and do well at the tight end you know more power to him but at, like i said at the same time yeah you're taking that opportunity away and i and you know it's kind of like once you see that urban meyer is a coach over there it's like well of course he's gonna get that opportunity i mean that's that's that was like his second son and when they was at florida together so you know mm-hmm. it, it makes sense now you got the new hot shot uh, quarterback number one overall draft pick and Trevor Lawrence coming there. So it just, you know, the writing was kind of on the wall, but I, I didn't think he was going to actually like, you know, like be on there, but you know, he still got to go to training camp. Maybe if he's, is he still going to get a spot? Is he going to survive training camp? Is he going to make it at that tight end position? We don't know, but I agree with you, Sheldon. He's taking away opportunities from other guys that, that can probably deserve that opportunity to, to play at tight end or any other position on that team. Isn't it amazing? that when he was unable to make a team as a quarterback, mm-hmm. the teams asked him if he would be willing to change positions. He told them no. And mm. now he's going in with the understanding that he has to change his position. I believe it's six years after his last game in the NFL. Okay. So for this, he's going to get cut. All right, so this, so so he's gonna get cut. Yeah, right. that's why I want to know if he's gonna make it through training camp. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna make it. He's gonna make it through training camp, and he's gonna make it because the Jacksonville Jaguars have been really bad. I actually had an opportunity to go watch them play Pittsburgh this year in Jacksonville. All right, mm-hmm. but they they gotta sell tickets, and so one of the things for sure is that people are gonna pay their money to come and see Tim Tebow run off the practice field. All right, mm-hmm. now. The discussion that we are having is a discussion that is going to make us watch the Jacksonville Jaguars every time they're on TV or every time there's training or every time there's practice that Tim Tebow's there because there are people who make want to see him fail or to, 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 to justify or adjudicate Jacksonville for even allowing this to happen, all right? So uh, uh, Urban Meyer is not going to be able to – Bringing him into camp is one thing. Keeping him on that roster mm. when he doesn't deserve to be on that roster is going to be something very different. And so that's where we put Urban Meyer uh, at the forefront of this of, 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 the, of the discussion and at the forefront of, uh, of kind of the scrutiny to see what he's going to do and whether or not this is actually going to be something that's relative going to be going to be relatively fair. If Urban Meyer wants the impact of Tim Tebow in his program, in his on, on his in in his in his building, why did he not hire him as a coach? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> right? So you could have hired him in a capacity that was in not a non-player capacity. That lets you know this is about selling tickets. Oh, that's right. Hey, Hey, look, I ditto everything that coach says. I ditto everything that coach says. Um, and, and, and also what B said, you know, I, I was watching Shannon Sharp earlier today. 
Mm-hmm. And, you know, we talking about a Hall of Fame tight end and he says he gets tight ends calling him all the time. Like, hey, man, you know, where can I go to, you know, just try to get a get a tryout, get a walk on, do do whatever I can to try to make the league. Mm-hmm. And Shannon don't have nothing. And here goes a guy that has been out the league for however many years, more than five, uh, switches positions and hasn't played tight end since his freshman year of high school. Um, and we uh, and it's like. What is what's really the expectation? And that's why I say I agree with Coach. It's, it's all about selling tickets. Does he make the squad? I don't think so. Um, I don't think so. Just because I don't think that's his talent. And, and, and if you, like, are you really going to put this man out there in routes? Like, like what type of route tree can he run? Now, I believe he could block. You know, he got a big body. Put him at fullback. You want to mm-hmm. make the squad? You got to play fullback. So I don't know, man. I, I, I just, I don't, I don't like this situation just because it shows... I'm a, I'm a, I'm not Ken. I'm a, I'm gonna just leave it at that. I'm not Ken. I ain't gonna go all there, bro. Y'all not gonna raise my blood pressure tonight. Yeah, you man. know, you know how Ken get, man. Man. <laughs> so, coach, your opinion on on that? Do, how much do you think for for teams like Jacksonville, it's not just about winning the Super Bowl. It is about selling tickets, in my opinion. How how much like if you had to weigh that on a scale in some of these programs and some of these places, how much how much importance is placed on winning as opposed to Entertainment. Well, the NFL, I think, number one, does the best job in entertainment of all the professional sports, right? Going to an NFL football game, there's entertainment all the way throughout, okay? But Jacksonville won one game last year, right? Mm-hmm. You go in and blow it all up. You get the number one pick. You hire a coach who's been in trouble but has proven to be able to win at the college level. And now, do you does anybody really believe that they're going to win the Super Bowl next year anyway, right? Or the mm-hmm. next year anyway? They have the youngest roster in the league, okay? So they have, I believe, they said almost forty players that have on that have played one or two years in the league. So right. the, the the answer to that question is, how do they market that? Like they're not quick fixing. They're not sending. It's not like the it's not like the NBA where you send young guys and go get an older guy. You got to pretty much in the, in the NFL build from the draft, all right, and let guys get old. So, how do you sell tickets for a one and and seventeen team? You 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 got to make some money in jersey sales. You got to make some money in just marketing. You got to make some money in getting getting people to just come in and watch training camp. All right, come to Jacksonville. Like, get the TV cameras there. Cause all this confusion. Make Jacksonville, Florida, New York City in terms of media market and create this energy, this buzz around that team. Um, so, yeah, I think it's different levels for, 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 for professional sports. I don't think everybody believes that they, can, that they can win a championship, but they know they have to make money in order right. to, 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 keep the, to keep the ship rolling. And so they, they figure out how to layer that and determine what's important. So this Tim Tebow deal is just that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, that's all the football news for the week. Uh, we may touch on it maybe a little bit on Thursday, just depending on what happens. If any new, um, you know, uh, advancements happen with the Aaron Rodgers situation or even the Deshaun Watson situation. People are talking about, you know, he's handling and settling all of those things uh, out of court and things of that nature. 
So, you know, we, we may have some football updates come Thursday. Uh, make sure y'all come back. Stay tuned. Um, also, look, man, I'm going to do a little bit of cross promotion. Our Fridays, BZ, we was out here entertaining the folk last Friday, wasn't we? Yeah, yeah, it was fun. It was fun. <laughs> Super fun. So make sure y'all come back 9.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the 21st. Not this Friday, but next Friday. We'll be out here with the game and Kendrick representing uh, moving on to basketball, man. Everybody's forte on the panel tonight. Um, the Boston Celtics, man. The Boston Celtics. They, just, the they, Boston, took, they took a they took a hard blow, man, with losing Jalen Brown for the remainder of the season. They 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 did, but but I I I want I, I want to phrase this more, right? Because it's not it's not just the Jalen Brown thing, right? I've been talking about Danny Age been on the hot seat for a little while now. So I want to talk about the whole thing. Let's 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 start around Isaiah Thomas, right? We got all of these. I'm talking like if I'm Boston, we got all of these draft picks. We got a guy averaging 30. Um, we trade that guy, or that guy gets hurt. We trade that guy. Uh, we go get Kyrie. We draft the Jason Tatum. We had Jalen Brown from the year before. Kyrie gets hurt. These guys make it to the Eastern Conference Finals. The Terry young pups had, don't forget about Terry Rozier too. Terry Rozier. Um, the young pups had to grow up early and now the pups are the big dogs of the yard. And, um, you know, for the most part, they, they were a little up and down at the beginning of the season. Now they, you know, they found a stride and they were looking not necessarily scary or a true contender, but somebody that you may not want to play if you're a lower seed because of the talent that they have. And your second best player goes down with a torn ligament. Mm. Not only does that hurt them right now, what does that say about how Boston has managed this 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 entire Danny Ainge run? Because I feel that is very lackluster for all of the draft picks, for all of the talent, for having literally three all star point guards between Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving and now Kemba Walker. And it's like you still need more like like like. What is it about Boston and their future and also Jalen Brown? It's so it's so up in the air right now with them. It's it just that I, I felt like the trajectory at first was a good one. They were they were on the right path. It seemed like this year was going to be the year that they made that step, that final step. Because I thought getting rid of Kyrie, in my opinion, was addition by subtraction. Bringing in Kimba, I thought was going to actually help Boston. It definitely helped us in Charlotte, but I thought it was going to help Boston too because it was a score that could take some pressure off those two wing guys and a leader who could hit big shots. None of it's come to fruition, though. There's been it, it's just been ugly for them. They hadn't had health uh, consistency is all off. They don't seem to be tuned in with with coach. It just doesn't make sense right now what Boston's trying to do. And I think Danny Ainge blew a lot of those picks that he had because he had a million picks and he blew a lot of them. He didn't turn it into talent. Uh, via the draft or through trades, it just it it just looks bad. You know, it's they're losing tonight by about seventeen. I think it is now. It's just not a good look. They're going in to play in against right now. They're they're slated to play Charlotte in the first round of the play in, uh, which I finally understand. Now. I don't know if y'all saw how it actually breaks down. Seven yeah, plays I, eight. Yeah, I saw how. Yeah, I saw how it breaks yeah. down. Yep, I understand it. I didn't I didn't understand it at first, but it makes a lot of sense, and I kind of like that format. Um, you, you know what format? You know what I want to come back for? I want them to bring back the first round three out of five. I know they're not going to do it, but I would yeah. love for the first round to go back to three out of five. I would. Why? Love yeah. 
more it puts it puts more pressure on the higher seed teams. Because yeah. if you lose if you lose that first game, that pressure is high. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can be out of there. Like, yeah, you can be out of there, man. I like mm-hmm. I like it puts pressure on those higher seed teams. Right. Like, you really you really can't go in like, oh yeah, we the one seed. We can go ahead and, and beat these guys. Hey, man, you, let me share this with you. Uh huh. If the first round goes back to three three five. We're getting less basketball out the basketball season. There's no sports on TV. <laughs> so, I, I know. That, that's why I said it's not going to happen. We need the seven games. And we need all of them to go to seven so yep. we can have more sports till we get back to football in the fall. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You, I, mean, you like, I, I mean, I guess I'm looking at it as the intensity part of that first round. Because, yeah. you know, usually sometimes – I ain't gonna say every single year for a good part of the years, you know, the playoffs, some of those series be like, okay, can we get this over with by now? Like if this is three mm-hmm. five, but I, I get you, coach. I get where you're coming from because I love basketball. Like I I want basketball to go last as long as it possible can. So yeah, I mean I'm with you. I mean, but you just I, want it intense. I want it so I, I want that first round to be like, oh man, we can't go around here and mess up. We gotta come out here and take care of business right away. Which I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure that's they meant that's the uh state of mind all always going into the playoffs, but um, to about Boston. Um, look, man, y'all know how I am when it comes to this, to this, this short, especially a team like Boston, because they got to the East Finals last year, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they didn't. If you and we talked about this, what last week, week before, a lot of these teams that went far in the bubble last year, they the ones that's that's suffering the injuries the most. They teams are banged up the most, everything, everything. So it's like, I kind of. You know, with Jalen Brown going down, it's kind of like okay, they go another casualty to the short, the short bubble playoffs that they had coming off of a seventy-day, little over a month off season. You don't got your time, your body to kind of recuperate from the basketball season, and then going to this season is unfortunate. I, I'm FIFO. I'm gonna wait to. Ne- I'm gonna see what they do next season before I start questioning Danny Ainge because you make up some great points about all the draft choices that he had. They had Al. Hor- they had a good locker room guy, Al Horford. Let him go. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm holding off judgment for the Boston this year, especially especially with that injury because they've just been banged up all year. Kimba Walker hasn't played this whole entire season. And then, like I said, they're coming off a very short offseason. So my judgment for those teams that go far last year, I always kind of like I held back a little bit. And I know I should be a little more harsh, but I, I don't know, man. I, for FIFA, for me and you that played the game of basketball, it's like we know. we should You should know like the intense – basketball these guys play the train that these guys go through so for them to have that short off season that they're not used to i, I kind of get it i, I kind of get it so i'm i'm, I'm a whole judgment into the next season and i see what they do when they back at full at full force coach do you think that the the short and off season is affecting them injury wise you think that's what's going on right now i think what part of it yeah i think part of it is, i mean like i said some of these teams and has they're used to having like months and months of off season these guys have barely a month. Some might be barely a month, a little over a month to like really just have an off season. And then you right, back, I, but, right back at it. But I guess that's why I was asking that question though. Cause I, I don't know. I think that these are the greatest athletes in the world. So I'll be, I'm thinking like they should be ready. Man, nah, man, nah, your body. You still human. <laughs> these guys are not Iron Man out here. Yep. You know what I'm saying? That you, you still, your body's still going to wear and tear. Still going Especially win. when you go that hard, Shelton. It's not like they were just playing like a regular season, <laughs> didn't play the playoffs, and then got back into a regular season. Like 
they went to the they did the whole playoffs. They went to the finals. You know, and 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 B has a point. If you look at all of the teams that went deep, those are the ones getting hit the hardest. Miami, Denver, Boston, yeah. Miami, yeah. L.A. Yeah. yeah, those four teams decimated by injuries right now. You agree with that, coach? I, I would I would agree that the turnaround time is is major, um, and I and I and I do so. It's it's kind of more about the not so much about the games. The games are the games, and those guys do play in the off season a lot. But 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 it's about the travel, man. Like mm. you, you gotta you gotta mm. you gotta think about they're jumping from plane to plane, going from coast to coast. You know they're getting off the plane. It, they play a game seven o'clock, eight o'clock at night. Get on the plane at 11, 30, 12 o'clock. Fly to the next city. Get there at three. Go to a shoot around. Play the game. Get a maybe one day off that there's some kind of shoot around or practice. Fly someplace else. You got ten left. So those things they didn't have in the bubble. That's that's the part that they they, they compensated for non travel with not being able to leave and then being in one place and they were miserable. Now there's some sense of flexibility, but but they're playing night after night in in empty gyms, but travel and the hotel and the food and those things also come into play with when you start talking about rest time and treatment and and, and those kind of things. So I do th- I do believe that that has a lot to do with these injuries. You are seeing. I didn't think about. Um, what you just said, but the teams that are affected, being affected the most are teams that were in the bubble for a long time. Mm-hmm. And and it's going to be the same way. They're going to be still be playing now and the teams that were not as good a year ago that didn't make the bubble are going to finish early again. You know, so eventually that's going to curtail where those, those guys are going to, those teams that are not as good are going to end up being better because they're going to be healthier coming down the stretch over these next few years. So, I definitely think that. And then getting back to Boston, you know, you you guys went straight to Danny Ainge. And Danny Ainge has done some good things in terms of you bring in Kyrie, you bring in Al Horford. That team was supposed to have to, to have been in championship contention. They weren't able to get it done. Al Horford leaves. Uh, uh, Kyrie leaves. And so I think we got to start. You got to take a great look at if would we be saying the same thing, or would your idea about where they are be the same if those guys were still there, right? If those guys two or three years or four years when they came up to free agency were still there. Mm-hmm. So you kind of got to take a look at the culture in that locker room. Because there's a reason that all of the people that they mortgaged the farm for didn't want to stay. So you're left with Jalen Brown and Tatum that are young guys that are still trying to move into in they're still trying to grind themselves into their to their prime. They're not in their prime yet. All right. Guys that were in their prime are Kyrie, who's just not a leader, right? Anyway, and 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 Al Horford, who's a stronghold uh, uh, in, in the championship runs and the good teams that he was on, and those guys, even Gordon Hayward. Gordon Hayward left there. He, before he got to Boston, he was flourishing. Of course, he got hurt. He mm. got out of there, and he's flourishing again. Yeah. So you have to kind of take a look at the, 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 the culture 
there. I don't think we can exclude. As a matter of fact, I believe that we need to look at the forefront to Brad Stevens, all right? I think he's a great coach. But I think he has lost the, the – he does not have a stronghold on his locker room. So you can't keep these guys that have strong personalities. They don't mix with these young guys. They got out. They've gone to other places. They're playing well. And now you're, you're basically – yeah, you're, you're, you're caught with young guys trying to, to figure out, like, Jason Tatum is just come. He's just starting to come, man. Like, he's mm-hmm. just getting there. You know, Browns, he's just starting to get there. Like, they're stars. They're not quite superstars yet. So you needed to keep a Kyrie. Now you have a three, three guys. And then you got three, still got three guards. So you don't have a dude that plays down in that hole. Mm-hmm. plays around that hole that complements those guards. So, you know, I don't I don't know, you know, losing Al Horford to 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 just contract issues or whatever the case may be, although I don't I think he's a second tier, like he's a piece. He's not a he ain't a dude. He's a piece, yeah. right? So Jason Tatum is gonna be a dude. Uh Browns, like they're really good now, and when they're at their best. They're dudes, but they're not dudes nightly. So you need two dudes. And I always said this. I said this to all all my years of coaching. You're going to be a championship contender. You need two and a possible like spades. (laughs) No no question about it. And if you are in high school and you play 4A basketball, big big basketball high school, you need two Division I players. And a D2 guy, right? Mm-hmm. Or three right. D1 players to win a state championship. All right. You play one A, you get two college players and a possible. You need a D1 guy or two D2 guys and a NAI guy or a D3 guy if you want to win one A. When you go to go to, to NCAA, you need two pros, first round draft picks, and a second round draft pick to win the NCAA tournament. You, you gotta have it, right? And so the, the higher you go up in the NBA, you need two super-duper stars, and then you need Robert Ory, all right? Or then you need uh, 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 John Paxson, or then you need Steve Kerr. Or you you got to have Kobe and Shaq. You got to have Magic and Bird. I mean, you got to have Magic and uh, 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 Bird. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then you got to have another guy. And so they just don't have it. Like So at the end of the day, when you start, when you think of it in that capacity, Boston just doesn't have it, all right? But the guys that they needed to keep to have it are on other teams playing well. So I think we got to take a look at why they didn't want to stay in Boston, why they didn't want to see it through. I think you got to take a look at that before you get to Danny Ainge. Let me ask you a question on that, too. You, you said earlier that you think you may have lost the locker room. As a coach, how do you recover from losing your locker room? Can I don't you? Know. I don't know if you can um, recover from losing your locker room as a coach. And I think that has different levels in professional sports and college sports. For me, I have the autonomy to go and make guys change their zip codes. All right. Right. So buy in to, because this is what I believe a hundred percent, right? Circles fit with circles and squares fit with squares. Mm-hmm. 
you cannot be a square in my circle. Mm. Okay. And so if you're a square in the circle, then you need to relocate and go find some squares. All right. So in my in my profession in college or in high school, I can fix that that dynamic. In the pros, you got to figure out how to make Kyrie Irving and everybody else work together because you're not getting rid of Kyrie because he doesn't want to buy in. You got to get figure out what Kyrie wants, right? Mm-hmm. You got to figure out what 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 LeBron James wants. You got to figure out all these different things. So, but when you lose know the respect of your locker room and that's what we're talking about i believe i believe that that everything begins and everything ends with leadership i believe everything uh, is successful everything fails relative to leadership so when you lose your leadership capability in your locker room with 12 or 13 different people and you have 12 or 13 different ideas all the time but you can't get them to fit in this circle I don't know how you come back from that because you can't get rid of people who know who who know where you're rooted, right? You mm. you can't get you can't you can't go in and undo. I've never seen the the, the word re-respect does not exist. <laughs> mm. Right? Re-respect mm. doesn't exist. Right. So right. when you lose respect for someone, you can't go back and re-get it. All right. And so you got to pay close attention to those things as you go along. Now, I'm not saying that's what's going on there. I would just say that they've had some really good teams in Boston that it doesn't make sense that they were not able to at least make another step. I don't think they should be in be, – I don't think they actually – they're not, they're not uh, New Jersey. You know, right now, here's a classic example. Those – Thibodeau is going to New York. And he's got circles to fit with circles, baby. Like that—that's not like people were questioning. Um, um, what's his name? Um, the lefty, lefty. Julius Randle. 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 Oh, he can't go right. He can't. Hey, he's—he's he's right now a superstar in the league, going left every time, and you can't stop him. All right. Yeah, right. And RJ Barrett is as well, and all these guys. These are young guys, and he's just made them buy into doing what he wants them to do. All right. And so sometimes if you can if you can gain the, the attention of your team, then it's possible that you can win without as much talent and you can have a lot of talent, lose your locker room, and you're just done. So we have to wait and see whether Brad Stevens, because he's not going to make it, you know, you, you say you want to wait to see next year how they do. He's yeah. not going to make it through next year if <laughs> no changes, right? He's going to – he won't make it through the first month and a half of the season – if he doesn't make some changes, he'll wish that he'd gone to Carolina or gone to University of Indiana or something like that, although he yeah. would leave a pocket of money. Yeah, I, I 100% agree, Coach, uh, with everything that you said. You, <laughs> the same thing you was preaching, I preach all the time, like, it's especially when you're talking about championships, right? In, in the NBA, you need two guys and that third guy. You, you, it, it's, it's a must. Um so I want to throw this out there to you because this is also one of my big sticking points. Um, and I and I feel like sometimes I have to bring my co-hosts back down to reality uh, with some of their opinions and their own theories. But I feel that basketball players, especially the one and duns or, you know, whenever they get out of high school, um, when you get into the league 18, 19 years old, I, I believe it takes three to five years for you to establish yourself to really be to get even to start scratching your prime. So, you know, when people, you know, make all of these claims about Zion or this, that, and the third, I'm like, 
he looks amazing and he's still not he's in his second year like like he's still he's still not even nowhere near a finished product like like he's not even scratching the surface and it's scary but then sometimes you know people want to knock on the Brandon Ingrams when they score 10 or 12 points in their second year and it's like he's not a finished product there he has moments where you see it he just doesn't have the consistency so to me in my opinion when i'm evaluating talent especially at the nba level it, it, it takes 3 to 5 years for these guys to establish what they're going to be like we would have written julius randall off based off of the first 3 years of his career and now he's in that what year is he in like 5 to 6 and now he's starting to ascend. How do you feel about my theory? This is this is what I think. I think this happens in in in, in all aspects at every level. It's about system. It's about who you play for. It's about who you're getting the information from. Julius Randle was just as good of a player as he is now. Now, now he may not have been as dominant, okay? But he was just as good of a player as he as he is now, maybe two years ago, but he didn't have his own team, right? He is the focal point in New York. Everybody knows it. So that's a little different. When they traded for him, I remember Stephen A. like going crazy, like we got Julius Randle. Why are we taking Julius Randle? And now Julius Randle is, as you said, ascending mm-hmm. to being a super duper star. Okay, mm-hmm. so. You take a great look. You take a, we talked about Isaiah Thomas a few minutes ago. I, I, Isaiah Thomas and him moving out of Boston. He when he left Boston, he lost his career. Like his whole career, like was done. So part, maybe maybe some of it was injury, but you no one else clearly got the, the Isaiah Thomas that we saw in in, in Boston. Correct. So everything it has a lot to do with system, and you know, man, we we're we're and I know we're talking pros, but you know, in a few minutes, we, as we talk about college basketball, we're going to talk about it's difficult to talk about it without talking about this transfer portal, right? And, and there being 1,500 names in the transfer portal, and there are some good players in that transfer portal, and they're very good players where they are. Mm-hmm. And now when they move to their next spot, because it's not going to be systematically feasible for them. They're now going to be lost in their new role in another program, right? You've got guys from D2 that are transferring up to high major division one. You've got low major guys that are transferring to high major situations because they average 10 or 11 points at this place. And there's a, there's, there's a market for that. That's the same thing for the NBA. You know, it, it's, it's, it, if you take Julius Randle and put Julius Randle back in a Laker uniform versus where he is now and put him beside LeBron, he's not going to look the same. You took Andre Drummond right. from Cleveland where he was a 20 rebound guy every night, whatever. And there's most nights I haven't seen why we eat, why I'm a Laker fan. Why is he even there? Right? <laughs> yeah, I don't get it. What is he doing? <laughs> like what, is, what exactly does he do well that can help them win? Now, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm it, I'm, I'm looking at the fact that he does not have LeBron there with him a lot, and he does not have Anthony Davis there with him. He's bought there to be a third wheel, but I need to be able to see the third wheel be able to move the two, right? Mm-hmm. So right now he's showing me that even when those guys are not there, he's still just a possible, right? right. So it's about system, and I do I do believe that it does take times for guys to develop. There's there's a such thing as a prime. And those guys have a window of five or six years that they're in their prime. They do have to develop. 
a guy like Zion Williamson, he's doing the same thing right now that he did when he was in high school. Like I watched him, I watched he and LaMelo ball in Vegas and it was a crazy situation. People couldn't get in and he's doing the exact same thing. He's just braced. He's just blessed. Like he's anointed, right? With a mm-hmm. body. And, and, and he's, you, some, sometimes you, you have to wonder with a guy like him, how much better can he get? Like, like how, how much, how much better can he get? Like he's, He's never, he doesn't need to do anything else. He like, okay, maybe he can shoot more. He can shoot more threes. Well, if he shoots more threes, he's not going to drive as much. And he's, his bread is buttered driving because you can't stop him, you know? Yeah. So guys right now backing all the way up in the paint and saying, go ahead and shoot it. He said, nope, I'm still going to drive it. And he gets <laughs> 35 in, in, in year two. So I don't even know how much better he can get unless other people grow to be six, 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 seven, and 280 and can jump to the moon like him and so forth and so on. So anyway, I got off tangent, but a lot of that happens to do with system, man. And like, and like, you know, how, how you're playing guys, you know, a lot of the theory with Zion was where was he going to play? All right. Well, uh, 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 his dude, his coach at New Orleans put him at point guard now. So who's going to guard him at point guard? Nobody can guard him. Nobody. <laughs> Nobody can guard him. So now he's bringing the ball down the floor. Now he's posting. So so you know it has a lot. It has a great deal to do with how coaches figure out how to use the talent that they have, and then how to make again those circles fit. We'll be back after this quick break. I'm Alex Rodriguez, and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as uh, simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Life is full of things to manage. Your work, your family, your plans, and your treatment. Consider Kesimpta. 
Ofatumumab 20 milligram injection. You can take it yourself from the comfort of home. If you're ready for something different, ask your healthcare provider about Kesimpta and check out the details at kesimpta.com. Brought to you by Novartis Pharmaceuticals Corporation. So that that's um, a good segue into talking about you, right? Like you're the head coach um, at, a, at, at the college level. Um, and I, and I kind of had, when, when Shelton brought to my attention that you were going to be on the show, I've, o- I've, I've always been interested in how a college coach kind of builds their program, right? Because your guys, like, it's a very transient situation. Like, it's not like you're going to, you're not, you're, you're rarely anticipating a guy staying there more than three years, right? Like three, four years after that, they're kind of gone or they may transfer even before that. So do you go and recruit based off of need or do you typically just try to go get the best guy and try to make it fit? Now, I know you talked about circles and squares and, you know, maybe he's a square personality wise, but in terms of the talent is undeniable. So how do you typically recruit and how do you manage that? That's a great question, man. It's a great question. So you have to take a look at levels. Unfortunately, um, they, there, there is differences here, all right? So I don't recruit guys that I think – I mean, I'm at the Division II level. Even when I was at Grambling, I was at Division I level. It's, 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 it's low major Division I, right? So our guys are not leaving after two years or three years. You know what I mean? Like, they're not going pro. Like, they're not, they're not going hardship or whatever. So obviously, if I was at Kentucky, I would be thinking different. <laughs> you know what I mean? If I was at Duke, I'd be thinking different. Um, so you so you're recruiting kids that can grow in your program. Now, now, if you take into consideration all of the teams in the NCAA that are really good year in and year out, what they have what they have done, which is what makes March Madness great, mm-hmm. is they have gotten old and stayed old. Right? That means Villanova has brought guys in. And they stay three years or four years. Then they go recruit freshmen that stay another three or four years. And they go recruit freshmen that stay another three or four years. So there's guys like DeVincio that's in the league that only had one great year of college, but he was there with this guy for four years, right? Gonzaga is there every year because they they got a one and done this year. He's so good, but he could have gone any place. But the guys that they have stay three or four or four years. And now you have so many three or four four year guys that when three or four year guys come together to play against one and does three or four year guys kind of have the experience as a team. They kind of mm-hmm. they kind of have the advantage as a team. Mm-hmm. And so, when, as for me in my situation, um, I am recruiting guys that I think are going to grow in the program. I'm going to recruit a guy that that's going to be a circle in the circle, right? I think that the best coaches in the country figure out, you know, my, 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 my theory and metaphoric, metaphorical opinion is circles and squares, all right? That's me. But you want people with that fit, right? So if you're hiring for IBM, you, you need to hire people who have computer literacy. You don't need to hire people who fly planes, right? It doesn't fit. And so if you hire a, a, a person who's who's has a degree in aviation science in the field of computer science, then that person in aviation science is going to transfer on you. 
they're going to take another job. They're going to go someplace that they fit better, that they have their expertise is, is going to help them flourish. So we have to, yes, recruit the best talent. We have to also recruit fit. We have to also recruit for the system that we are planning to play and then make that system adjust as well. And that's very important that all the coaches, I believe, who, who do a great job of that, um, they're, 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 they're the coaches that we revere. Like, they're the coaches that we say, hey, they're great coaches because, um, you know, Mark Few doesn't take the same kids that, 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 that Calipari takes. Calipari's taking guys don't want to go to school, all right? right. They don't want to go to school. Well, Few's taking guys that go to school, all right? Shaka Smart right. made his name at VCU trapping and pressing and scrambling, all right? So he took that to Texas. It doesn't work in the Big 12. It worked in the CAA in Atlantic 10. But everybody can dribble in the Big 12. So now Shaka's got to move from Texas and move to Marquette and figure out whether in the Big East he can trap and scramble. And you think about, think about this. Shaka never won an NCAA tournament game, and Shaka's had two guys, maybe three, that were either number one, two, or three in the draft at Texas, all right? So, again, you're talking about culture and fit and style uh, and, and all those things that people have to – you can't take Andre Ayton uh, or, 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 or one of these guys and put them in a trap situation at Texas, right? You can't take Kevin Durant and put him in a scramble and trap situation at Texas. But you may can take Zion Williamson at VCU. He's good anywhere, right? He's yeah. good in any style because he's just he's just a phenomenon. So I hope I answered your question. I think as it relates to attracting players and evaluating players, you know, there's, there's guys, and I, I've been victim of this, there's guys that will be really good players for other for other for other coaches, even in my league, that I won't I would not take and they would not be able to play for me. All right. Mm-hmm. They, they, they won't play be able to play for me, but that's because they can't play for me doesn't mean they're not a great player. Um, and I think it's important to know who you can coach, who you should be coaching, who fits in your the culture of your environment, and then make those people fit based upon the, the budget that you have to, to bring to bring guys in. Gotcha. So, Coach, I know, um, or at least I, I don't believe you can get to the level or have the jobs that you had without playing basketball yourself. So what position were you coming up? Well, I played – I've always called myself a point guard that could shoot, right? So uh, uh, I was I played point guard. Um, I got – I was moved to two guard you know, off the ball a little bit more when I came to Elizabeth City and transferred from Campbell University. but. I was kind of kind of made my claim shooting the ball, uh, making plays, um, scoring the ball. So I, I kind of played played around a little bit. I've always had a pretty good IQ for the game. So um, my claim to fame, pre- pretty much people who know me always talk about how I shot the ball when I was playing. Why is it the fact that the point guards always become the coaches? <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing that one of the <laughs> – one of the things I think kids fail at right at this point in time now is they don't play as much anymore. So you know, I, I say a lot of times these kids are from the PlayStation, not from the playground. 
Yeah. Mm. Uh, so we were from the playground, mm-hmm. but the guys who were from the playground, think about it. The guy who went to shoot, the guy who went to shoot to pick the team, that got to the park first or got to the gym first that wanted to pick the team was always a little guy because the big guys were going to play anyway. All right. Mm-hmm. So the big guys were going to play anyway. So those guys had to go pick a good team. They had to pick the pieces that fit. They had to they had to go get a guy that could score. They had to get a guy that could rebound. They had to go get a guy that could 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 shoot. You know, get a guy that can go dance with a little bit. Guy that they enjoy playing with. A guy that can help them win. Because if you lost, then you wouldn't get back on the court again for the rest of the day. And so, if you think about that makeup, those guys had a lot to play for. Though those little guys had to go put their reputation on the line. Every day that they went out there, because there's always more little guys than there are big guys, right? Yep. So, so I think that has a lot to do with uh, just the makeup of how you know we think the game and 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 know the game. Um, not that there's yep. not other guys, sizable guys that do that, but for the most part, I, I believe that's the reason that that happens. Even from a standpoint, if you think about going in, going into a gym that there's no coaches, no nothing, and people just in there hooping, right? Mm-hmm. The dudes that shoot pick the team. They're coaching right there, right? And so that guy who know he's going to play, he get there late. He putting his shoes on, holding nine yards. He just wait for somebody mm-hmm. to pick it. And everybody else is the other guys out there shooting. Okay, I got this guy. I got this guy. I got this guy. I got next. And the guy that's got next, he got to pick his team. And those guys ain't never do seven feet. Those guys are always little dudes. They ain't going to get on the court <laughs> unless they <play. laughs> Yep, yep, yep. No, I definitely agree. I definitely agree. Uh, BZ, you got any questions for Coach? Uh, yeah, I was going to actually ask him about his Lakers. Um, I know he said he's a huge Laker fan. Um, yeah. You like a lifetime Laker fan or just? I've been, a, I've been a lifetime Laker fan. My dad was a Laker fan. My dad was enamored, loved Jamal Wilkes. Mm. Right? He, he loved mm. Jamal Wilkes. And uh, ever since, I, I can remember, like, that that group, Jamal Wilkes, Norm Nix, Norm Nix, yeah, Norm Nixon, those guys. Yeah. So I'm probably a Laker fan because my dad was a Laker fan, and my dad was, you know, we were very close or whatever. So he's a Cowboy fan. I'm a Cowboy fan. He's a Cowboy fan because Jethro Pugh was a Lisbon City State grad. My dad was a Lisbon City State guy, so he started rooting for for Jethro Pugh and the Cowboys. So I'm a Cowboy fan, you know. So uh, I've always I've always been a Laker fan. All, all my life. What do you think? How, how you th- you think they gonna repeat or what? What you think? I just don't think. Um, I just don't think that you can be as banged up as they are, mm-hmm. and just go into a playoff situation with seven games to win. You got to play back to backs. You haven't played the level of basketball over the t- over the amount of time and, and and win a championship like I. There's that West is is something serious. Matter of fact, play, the, the playoffs is going to be good this year altogether. Um, and whoever wins the championship is going to have to see someone that's, that's not as good that's going to be really good, right? So, so whoever has to see Golden State, like I don't think Golden State can win the championship, but I think Golden State can keep somebody from winning it, right? Yeah. And so uh, I, I don't have a lot of faith in the pieces around. LeBron and Anthony Davis. I'm I'm lukewarm on Anthony Davis right now. Anyway, I think he's he's. I'm, I'm not sure if he's got his championship, and he's not a hundred percent 
bought in. You know, he's 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 hurt every other play. He's he's grimacing every other play. Um, LeBron's obviously banged up. I'm not sure if he's trying to wait it out to get to the playoffs or what. But I do not believe that my Lakers can repeat. I don't. I don't believe. I thought they would have a good chance before all of this happened, but I don't see that happen. Yeah, I, I think and we was we was talking about this in our chat the other day. Like, it's pretty wide open. Like, I, I like. I think that's one thing I'm looking forward to about the playoffs this year. Is like, it's no really clear. I mean, yeah, we can name about maybe you know four or five or maybe six teams that can possibly win it, and I think that's good. I don't think it's a a really a clear cut favorite to to take the. Ch- take the title this year and I, I think that's great for uh, NBA playoffs well, if, if New Jersey does not win it this year if they don't win it it'll be a disappointment because I don't know how much of a better team they can ever get yeah right? but yeah. again I'm telling you that everything begins and everything ends in leadership mm-hmm. I just don't know all of those guys you don't are, trust them are, are have other things going on other than their focus in trying to win this championship. Thank you. And so Ke- Kevin Durant, you know, I, I don't, I can't, it's, it's, like I love his game. All those, uh, those those three guys, I think, you know, James Harden has shown me a lot this year. Mm-hmm. I have an appreciate. He actually just, the coach in me just hated what he was doing in Houston, right? Yeah. So I, yes. I got to the point where, where I couldn't stand him. Yes. He went to he went to New Jersey and I got to the point where I'm just loving what he's doing. And then, you know, I don't I, you know, I'm hoping Kyrie Irving's okay. Like they're, 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 he's got some strange stuff kind of going on with him. Kevin Durant all of a sudden became a tough guy when he went to, to Golden State. Like all of a sudden, like you became just tough guy and you're beefing with people over Twitter and you didn't do any of that at Oklahoma, you know, but somebody's, we, we don't know who's going to be leading that group and we don't know how they're going to be led. Who's mm-hmm. actually going to really give a little bit when they get to the playoffs. So if they can do that, um, they don't guard anybody, you know, so they don't guard anybody. And then Steve Nash, the, the jury's still deliberating on, on, on whether he can actually coach. So yeah. they're going to be in some close games, and um, they're talented enough that, that they should win the championship. I just don't know if they will, and if they don't, I don't think those three guys going to ever live that down. Really? So it's pretty much championship or bust with the, with the Nets? I just can't see how you can put that kind of firepower on a team with Blake Griffin, with with the pieces they have around them. Like, they have the, they have they have a – you know, a serious makeup, even, even the white kid that shoots the threes, like Joe Harris. Joe Harris. Yeah. He flat out doesn't miss. I don't even know where he came from. Right. He's a, he's a, a phenomenal piece, you know, great Blake Griffin's, you know, still a good basketball player. Mm-hmm. Um, DeAndre, um, DeAndre Jordan. Jordan. I mean, he's a, he's a great piece, you know, I mean, that, then you got three guys that all can get 40 points and they can get 40 points every single night, you know? So I don't know why they should lose outside of the fact there again, I'm telling you like the leadership there is, is, is in question. I, I don't know. We, no one knows whether Steve Nash can really coach. All right. No one knows whether those three guys like Kyrie Irving's come out and said a lot of things about 
the fact that they don't need a coach. All right. And so if you feel that way about your coach, that he's just the person sitting there, we don't know when things get tight. Right. Take control. All right. Mm-hmm. Mike D'Antoni hasn't proven to me that he 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 he's he screwed up Houston, in my opinion, and then left. All right. Yeah. And then he goes and sits on a bench. That's and and so he, I think I do think he's influencing a great deal of what goes on there. So they don't play any defense. Like like they've not played any defense any place he's ever been. Nope. So um, they got to figure it out. Right now they're not playing well, but they have to figure out how to get through these series. But I, I, I do think this. I do think that the NBA is the greatest playoff ever in the world because the best team always wins. Yeah. Right? Four out of seven. Four out of seven. It's not like one night. New right. So we, you, you really have to really take it into consideration. Yeah. Who in the world can beat them four times? Right. Mm-hmm. That's gonna be that's gonna be really tough. They're gonna have to they're gonna have to wet the bed to to get beat four times. Yeah. They, they really are. They possibly can, man. I mean, I, I just like you said, you mentioned one of the key things that I, I've said about. I've been critical of the Nets. It's defense. Like, you know, and me and FIFA, we've said this plenty to, throughout the years on this show. Like, when they get to the playoffs, the game slows down. That's why Giannis hasn't been able to elevate his game because he still plays like the game is a regular season. But when the game is slowed down and when you have coaches that can key in on you, you know, for, for a seven-game series that can adjust to you, right. it's a totally different story. Totally different story. Well, you so, saw in college basketball this year, with COVID, with COVID, a lot of conferences went to playing two nights back to back. Yeah. Right. So you saw them go play Friday and Saturday, or play yep. Saturday and Sunday. Yeah. You mm-hmm. take a great look at if you take a great look, those games were always normally split. Yes. Right? Those games were split. The, the one team would win twenty points one night, the next team would win twenty the next night, and it would mm-hmm. be totally different. And they would they would split. So I don't think anybody really realizes how difficult it is to play the same team seven mm-hmm. times mm-hmm. back to back Man. to back. Right? Only basketball players know. Only yeah. ba- it's, it's the most difficult thing because all of your tendencies, they done studied, overstudied. They are already communicating the play before you even open your mouth. It, it's At that point, it becomes about talent, the coaching, and how you can adjust as a player based off of what you see on that court at that moment. Without yep. about it, and, and it's and it's just difficult because the, the momentum changes so dramatically. How do like how do you beat a team twenty or thirty one night and find yourself down twenty the next night? Yes, psychologically, mm-hmm. it's the psychology of sport as well, right? So so you you win by twenty one night, you lose by twenty the next night. <laughs> now it's game three. Who's the better team? Better, yeah, we don't even know. Yep. So, so, yep. so, so you're talking about adjustments and stuff like that. How do you how do you make a great adjustment when you just won twenty? Yeah, right. So the team that lost is the team that has the advantage. That's mm-hmm. what makes the, the the NBA playoffs like like the NCAA tournament is the greatest because it's balanced. You play mm-hmm. one bad night, you you don't you if you don't get there and adjust to the elements of all this stardom, then you lose. And you go home, all right? In the NBA, you go and don't adjust one night and get beat. You win four straight and be have a, and basically have a gentleman's sweep, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. 
So that's the that's the impact of that of, of the playoffs for the NBA, which is what makes it great. And it also, as you said, with the superstars, makes the superstars have to show up. Yep. If they don't show up, you know, you, you don't win. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got a question for you, Coach. I'm a um, huge um, LaMelo Ball fan. Everybody knows that. I'm, LaMelo's my guy. My thing about LaMelo and what I try to preach to people is, and, and I want to know your take on this as well, LaMelo's impact to me goes beyond the basketball court and his game. Even when he was out, he brought in something to the team that gave everybody around them confidence to play at a high level. I look at players like, like I talk about in football, you got a Cam Newton when he was with the Panthers that year, they went 15 and one. You got Michael Vick when he was a Falcon. You got, you know, LeBron playing on the team. Their mere presence and their additive and bringing what they bring to the team, the excitement, that drive, makes you play a little better than where you were. Do you A, do you know players like that? And do you agree that that happens sometimes? So your influence can make that team better in itself. Leaders lead, period. And it has nothing to do with position power. It has nothing to do with uh, how old you are. It has nothing to do with how experienced you are. People don't follow incompetent leadership, right? So you're t- and I'm so big on this leadership deal, right? What you're talking about is a guy who's 19 years old, whose impact on other people is so great that he moves them, he edifies them, he motivates them, not maybe through mouth, but he motivates them through action, all right? And so if you do not have a guy on your team or in your organization in life, you don't have a friend. Like, you, like I don't know if you guys are really close friends or not, but you got a, 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 a group of friends. There's someone, and you guys are all friends. Y'all just common friends, right? No one's hiring anybody else. Everybody's friend is just friend. There's some dude there, there's some female there that's leading that group. Like when somebody, when they say something, people listen. And it's not because they have a certain position that you listen to them. You listen to them because you have a profound respect for what it is that they bring to the table, right? And so, as you're talking about LaMelo, you're talking about Michael Vick, you're talking about Cam Newton, we're talking about LeBrons, we're talking about all those guys that have figured out how to get people to follow them, not because they made people follow them, right? You, 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 those are the people that normally are highly successful in their lives. In, in your peer group, you have to figure out where you where you are in that line, whether you need to follow, because some people are afraid to, 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 to be in leadership, right? You're, mm-hmm. you're talking about being a leader means people don't like you all the time, right? Mm-hmm. They may respect you. They don't like you all the time. Kind of goes back to the locker room thing. I was going to say this a few minutes ago, man, like I coach men and women. All right, I coached women for a year. I coached I coached men all my life, but I coached women for one year. Okay, and this is this is fine tunes, right? Exactly what you just asked. Women have to like you, and they have to respect you to play for you. Okay, men don't have to like you. 
but they must respect you. Mm-hmm. If they don't respect you, but they like you, they're not going to play for you. All right. And so you're talking about the finite mentality of leadership when you're talking about all the people that you just named, because you can't literally be a superstar without people falling. LaMelo Ball is a bad, bad boy. Like he's, he's, I watched him just the other night and he's just God, he's just gifted, right? Mm -hmm. But his brother, Lonzo, doesn't have his leadership skills. He doesn't have his personality, right? Mm -hmm. He doesn't have his, his get in front of the camera and people want to really hear what he has to say. Both of them are really good players, but LaMelo not only is talented, but he has personality. So mm-hmm. person, if you watch him before the game starts and his teammates are out there and he's out there playing one-on-one against them and kind of throwing the ball up, people are out there playing one-on-one against him because they want to be around him, right? And they want right. to be around him. They want to – he may be silly. maybe may be an 18, 19-year-old silly kid right now that's bringing kid, guys to the floor early to play one-on-one before a game, right? And so I just, I just really feel like, you know, in every, in every facet of life, every, everything that we're, we're, we're about, everything that we're a part of, uh, everything, everything about us is about finding some sense of, of, of leadership reinforcement, so to speak. And when you find that in your organization or in your team, um, then, then your level of success raises because you have someone there who's creating the beginning of your circle. And, 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 and that's always a bona fide measure of, of, of championing, if that, if, if that makes sense. Yes, sir. So, Coach, we're going to uh, end the show on this last question only because it makes the most sense that we have a college coach here with, with, with fresh eyes and perspective. Um, I'm not necessarily a big fan of college basketball. I think I think the game is a little too slow for me to enjoy uh, the way I enjoy the NBA, but I typically watch like the pro guys, the guys that, you know, make noise and things of that nature. I definitely watch the tournament. But how do you feel about the state of college basketball as a whole? Yeah, I think the game, I think the game is healthy. I think the game is healthier at the lower levels. Because you don't have a cesspool of, 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 of guys that are hopping so much. I mean, you, you, you're going to have – it's going to be impossible to, to keep guys every kid four years, right? Um, my, my, my son is – my son is a college basketball player. was a freshman at George Washington University in 1920, transferred out of there. So my son's one of the one of the – one of the transfers, um, George Washington in itself over the last two years lost over 14 players, all right? So there are no players at George Washington that were there when he was there, all right? Every every kid's gone. Um, so that's, 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 a, that's a poor climate that they're not the only school that's in that equation. You follow me? Um, this transfer situation, the grass being greener on the other side, um, is difficult. But we also have some some issues with with with, with coaches and how, you know, let's 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 be fair. And I get in a lot of as a coach, I've been in a lot of arguments with coaches 
about this topic because I had a son in this situation. Okay. And coaches are running kids off so that they can go take a kid on the transfer portal. Okay. Mm-hmm. Their, 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 their coaches are suggesting and, 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 and what we're, what we as a coaching body are saying is all oh, these kids can't stand adversity. And as soon as something happens, they don't like, they want to transfer. If they don't play as much as they want to, they want to transfer. Well, some of that is the case, but here's what I say. I say that there are kids that go to school that want to be coached and want to be developed and will wait their turn that you run them out to go take a kid that didn't want to wait his turn where he was, right? <laughs> that didn't want to handle adversity where he was. So you, you, you run a kid off to bring in a kid that fits the mold of exactly what we say that, that these kids are doing, all right? And we do that to make coaches look good. Coaches do that, say these things to make themselves look good. And you're running four or five kids out of your program or not giving them a chance to stay or treating them unfairly or whatever the case may be. So ultimately, that's not going to be our situation at Elizabeth City State when we're dealing with only having four scholarships opposed to having 10 fools or being at a, at a place like Grambling where there's, you know, APR issues and you got to keep kids in position and, you know, keep kids in, in the program or different variables versus being a, a guy at high point that averages 20 points a game that gets in the transfer portal because now because he averaged 20 points at a high point, he can go to Arizona State or he can go to he can go to another big school. And now so it's free agent market. Right. Yeah. So, you know, coaches are moving jobs and coaches are changing. Kids are getting the transfer report There's different variables. But for the most part, man, I think I think the game is relatively healthy. There's a lot of money in the game for coaches. There's there's no money in it for for for, for, for kids, so to speak. But, you know, guys are, are, are definitely outside of TV exposure. Now, I don't know if you guys know, we got a thing called, they got a thing they call um, a cost of attendance, uh, which is just basically a check that kids get um, once a month for to be able to support themselves at, at you know, going to school. So, so my son was at George Washington. He got $410 a month for cost of attendance, which, you know, it was a good check. Like he invested it. He started investing the money, but at, Right, he had a he had a teammate at University of Maryland. They got sixteen hundred dollars a month <laughs> cost of attendance. That's a lot of money, man. That's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of money. Not to include if you're eligible for Pell Grant, right? So mm-hmm. the, that's that's also contributing to kids transferring. Like it's a big difference between four hundred dollars and sixteen hundred dollars, mm-hmm. right? It's a big difference per per month, not 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 a semester, a month. So you know. Again, as you talk about the the economic impact, and we talked about Aaron Rodgers a little while ago, and money, how money, you know, solves everything. I mean, it's a big difference between riding a bus and taking an airplane, right? It's yeah. a big difference between taking an airplane commercial and flying charter, mm-hmm. right? These are the levels that, that these kids are dealing with. If you go to Duke, you charter, all right? Your food's on the plane buffet when you get on it, opposed wow. to. If you're at Old Dominion, you're going in Norfolk Airport and waiting for American Airlines to take you from uh, um, from, sh- from from Norfolk to Charlotte and from Charlotte into Shreveport, Louisiana, so you can play Louisiana Tech in in in, in Ruston and then drive over to Southern Miss. Now the flight's yeah. great; it's much different than 
North Carolina Central driving to Florida and m 10 hours. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, at the end of the day, I think at the lower levels, I think the game is more solid. It's more about going to college. It's more about going to school. It's more about getting degrees. It's more about, you know, playing, trying to get to the NCAA tournament just so you can say you went. You know, I mean, I think it has different variables to it. Um, most people enjoy watching the college game a little bit more than they do the NBA game. Um, if you're watching the game, you know, right. if you're watching the stars, then yes, you, you're probably more inclined to watch the NBA. Like I watch all games, like, like every, every game is on, like I don't watch anything but games. So I, I just love the game itself. Um, but, you know, I think the game, I think, I think we do have some issues, but I think the game is healthy, you know, for, for the most part. So coach at the, oh, go ahead. Like so, at the D one level, right? Like the one and done level. Um, how do you feel about the NBA kind of aggressively attacking? Not necessarily, you know, coming down off of the stance of, you know, allowing high schoolers to get back into the NBA. But how do you feel about the G League? And do you think that the top tier um, one and duns, not all of them, but a good handful of them, would rather take that one? one year G league route versus going overseas or going to college. Do you think that the NBA is going to start siphoning some of that top tier talent from going to college? Well, there's already uh, um, some discussion on the agenda for, to, to rescind this um, having to be 19 years or be out one year to, to go to the league or whatever the case may be. You know, I think, I think it, I think on a whole, and this is something that affects the lower levels. All right. So the lower level schools are not going to get one and done's or two and done's or three and done's right. For the most part, but the power five schools do have an opportunity to get those. So you notice that the power five schools never have like Kentucky never have an APR issue, the, the academic progress rating, because there's a clause in the NCAA that says if a kid leaves to go pro, then you don't charge them with failure to return or not graduating or whatever. But a lot of the HBCUs are going into APR penalties. When I went to Grambling, Grambling was in a level three APR penalty, which is almost like a death sentence. Okay. And so you get cited for not returning kids or kids transferring and not having 2.6s when they leave and all these kind of things. So I think it's a, it's a crying shame that coaches on a whole are responsible for getting kids to go to class that don't want to be in school. They have no intentions of getting a degree. They have no intentions like the story about Ben Simmons at LSU got John, like Ben Simmons was recruited at LSU and Johnny Jones is now at Texas Southern. Mm. I don't know if I'm supposed to say this here, but the white boys have ostracized Johnny Jones and now Mm. he's an HBCU coach. There's nothing wrong with that. All right. He's got a good job, but he went from North Texas to LSU to Texas Southern, yeah. Ben Simmons, Ben Simmons did not attend a class after the first semester. He was ineligible after the first semester. They got him eligible and he 
discontinued going to class. All right. Johnny Jones lost his job because he could not control Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons wasn't going to class. He was not going to go to class. He went there to go pro. He had to go to college. Right. So I'm not in agreement with coaches being subjected to evaluations for kids that don't want to go to school. Right. Um, Kids that go to the G League, kids that go overseas, it's all it's all well and good. Um, the NBA should allow NBA guys, guys like Zion Williamson should not have, have should not have had to go to Duke. Duke mm-hmm. is an academic school, right? Zion was maybe smart enough and academically capable enough to go there, but why should he have to do that? He was born to play basketball. There's no question about it, right? And so. Um, I feel like he. I feel like you no. Know, Mike Shishetsky's program is in limbo, even at that level, because of the one and done. Right? Like, like he had a kid this year that's going to be a lottery pick that didn't want to go to school, didn't want to be coached. Like, I quit because I'm going to the league, and Mike Shishetsky's benching me, and you messing up my draft status, and I ain't going to school anyway. You know what? I quit, and I'm gonna go work out for the draft. All right. So I'm not mm-hmm. a proponent of that. I feel like um, the NBA, uh, when they made that rule, and they did so because the young guys were coming in the league and getting big contracts. Uh, and some of the older guys and guys that have been in the league you know, were having a problem. They were getting, you know, the young guys were getting paid more money. I don't I don't think that uh, we should make there's only a small amount of kids. So you don't need a rule um, for a small, small amount of kids. If you're good enough, you should be able to go whenever you're good enough, like any of the other sports, like tennis, like soccer, like golf, you should like all the, the, the predominantly white sports, you should be able to go and make your living. Football may be a little different because of your body development and stuff like that. But, uh, you know, basketball-wise, I certainly believe that the NBA's kind of overstepped their boundaries with this rule. Quick question about that is something else about that college stuff, too. I had a couple quick questions before we let him go. Um, what do you feel about the women's game? Do you think there will ever be – I don't think it's ever going to be a level playing field because they don't get the support from the fan base. But do you think their conditions will improve and how so? I don't think that we have – there's a choice for those conditions to improve. All right? Um, no affirmative action in Title IX is a, is a federal law. So the NCAA is not exclusive from, from the law. Um, I, I, I believe that um, the conditions that men and women have, and, I, and I'll be the first to tell you, um, some, of that's a, uh, some of that's a headache uh, for men's sports, right, on, on, on individual college campus levels, right? Mm-hmm. There's, there's some Title IX issues, like, like there's some campuses, I got some coaching buddies that say they go out and raise a thousand dollars for their program. They got to get women five hundred of them. All right. Mm. So yeah, I, I mean, if 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 they get their locker room fixed, then they can't get their locker room fixed because they, you know, women have to get their locker room fixed. So you you end up getting having things like that that are just not, you know, it's just tough. You know what I mean? But I think in terms of um, 
the, the, the women's game is a great game because it's more of a team game than the men's game is, mm-hmm. right? The, the women's game is really m- much more sharing than the men's game is. Uh, even the great players on the women's side play with their team. Um, but I do think that the amenities that the men get, um, there's going to have to be some balance. We saw what happened in the NCAA tournament this year with the weight rooms and, and those things. Uh, I, I, I am probably one of the worst, and I don't watch women's basketball um, per se. I, I watched maybe the last two or three minutes of the NCAA tournament this year, the championship game. Um, and I think that I'm a byproduct of why the game probably is not going to, 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 to move the way it should, because I'm just not interested in the women's game. But I do believe as we, uh, enhance, uh, the opportunities for, for the women's game, which should happen. And once we enhance, um, the facilities and all those things, then more little girls will want to watch. All right. And that's where, that's what we've got. It's got to happen. We have to have more little girls and more, more parents that have little girls that, 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 that get their, their, their kids into these gyms and get those kids into AAU so that the women's game grows from that perspective. And then mm-hmm. it'll be much easier to, 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 to have NBC and CBS and ESPN mm-hmm. and all those people go in and people start feeding money into the into the perspective of women's women's basketball. Man. Hey, um, I talk to my brother all the time and he, he was like, yo, you got coach on the show? <laughs> and yeah. he's always talking about you and the stuff that you say, you know, and I don't know, like I said, I don't know if you know the impact you had on him, but it was tremendous because he still to this day carries on the things that you say. He'll say, coach would say this, coach said this, you know, he still talked like that. Right. It was like one of the greatest lessons you taught and that you've learned, like what, what do you, or, or saying that they don't have to be a whole lesson, but what's something that you preached out and that you took in as a player when you were, when you were playing? Oh man. You know, I, I, I don't know, man. I, um, I do coach and I, and I have the perspectives that I have based upon, um, some of the experience that I did have as a player. Um, my, my father, you know, my father was my high school. All right. My, 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 my dad was my junior high principal. I'm from a little small town. So my mother was my 12th grade typing teacher. So, so my senior year in high school, my dad was my principal. My mother was my teacher. So we were all. Oh, wow. School, right. <laughs> um, so, so, it, you know, I grew up in a very disciplined home where there's, there was expectation and my dad was a, 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 a modern day Joe Clark, so to speak. That's how he ran his school. And he was very serious about, his kids going to school and acting a certain way. Um, so just, you know, discipline-wise, you know, I, 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 I got my first job, man. I, Sarah played for me. I'm not sure what he came in, maybe my second year. Um, but I was 25 years old when I, got, when I became the head coach at Voorhees. All right? Mm. And, um, so, and I, I've never had a problem, like, with discipline and being in charge. You know, I, I've never had a problem with that. But I would say, man, to answer your question, I would say, man, for me, you know, I've always, always, always been very serious about teaching guys that your first impression is the only one that really matters. How you present yourself, how you're going to characterize yourself upon the first meeting. You don't get a second chance at that. 
Um, so we're going to look a certain way when we get off the bus. We're going to we're going to act a certain way. We're going to go in a restaurant. We're going to say thank you. We're going to you're going to have high value on all the things that people think are nothing. All right. And. You know, to be on time is to be early. That's that, that's something that 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 we that I always enforce. You know, I would I would, I was crazy back then when I was at Voyage. I tell guys, hey man, if you don't show up at four thirty in the morning for a five o'clock workout, then you quit. <laughs> I didn't put you off. You quit. And I actually, <laughs> you know, you quit. And so, you know, you I just remember days of seeing guys running across the running across the yard at four thirty in the morning trying to get there. And, um. But the value systems on that, um, I think those guys have today. I mean, if there's a guy that's going to be late to work, he's not going to be late to work because Sean Walker let him come practice late, all right, or that he didn't find a value system of of being on time. Um, and I've made that grow in my modern day and just kind of saying everything we do in our program is going to be about getting guys on the job market, all right? Mm-hmm. normally ask ask players why you want to go to college man why you want to go to college why you want to go to college and they'll give me all these all these answers like why do i want to get an education and i want to do this i want to do that you don't go to college like i told you now i was born in a family of educators right so you don't go to college to get no education to learn nothing you go to college to improve your earning power all right you go to college so that you can sustain your level of earning and it's not a four-year decision, it's a 40-year decision. Mm-hmm. Because when you go in at 18 and you finish at 22, you're just getting started. So your idea is to, to get to 62. 62 is retirement age, right? Social security, right? Mm-hmm. That's where you got to work when you're young so you don't have to work when you get old. And so the value system that you learn between those four years gets you to 40 years so that you can live good as you start getting in the third quarter of your life, in the fourth right. quarter of life. And so those are the value systems that I've always taught and I actualize them in that way now, but that's what I've always been about, um, uh, just kind of getting guys to just have an understanding that, you know what, man, we might ought to be able to do this. We might ought to be able to do that, but it's not the reality of the world we live in. So. My dad would say, we got to add up like post-serial. We got to total up, right? And so my thing with, with my players is today and always has been that you want to model yourself to have character, integrity, commitment to citizenship, and then you got to be able to play basketball too. And T-O-O means also the basketball piece is the latter part of the expectation. You can always act right. You always can know how to act. You can always go in that cafeteria, pick your tray up and take it up there because no one's got to, no, no one has to clean up after you. Right. You don't mm-hmm. cuss, you don't cuss the lady out that's serving the pancakes because you want two pancakes. And she said the rule is you get one. All right. And we think that that's very simple, but it's not. You're right. Mm-hmm. There's 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 kids that go in there and disrespect the people who are serving food or disrespect the people who are cleaning up. Um, so the value that value system there has, has served me for the last 26 years, and and when that changes, it'll run me out of coaching. Who who are the two best players you've coached in your career? Oh man, so so I'm, I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you I'm gonna give you three. <laughs> I'm gonna give you because it's difficult. The best player that I probably coached, the most talented player that I probably coached. 
uh, is 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 probably Lou White um, at, at, at Voorhees. Now, now Lou Lou was Lou was the Michael Jordan of the e, of the EIAC when I when when I coached there. Well, it My was, brother says it too. Oh, there's no question. Like Lou 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 was the Player of the Year in his junior year and only played half of the year. All right. Mm-hmm. So like Lou's one of those guys that really didn't know how to act. So he got in trouble his senior year and played the second part. So he was all American with two, he was all two time all American and played two half a years. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, but, but he was, he was a bad boy. The most impactful player that I probably coached was a kid named Anthony Hill. He just finished his 12th year um, uh, overseas this year. We retired his Jersey here to Elizabeth city and he's crazy. He's six, three, he led six three. I played him at the four, and oh, wow. he 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 led the CIAA in scoring and rebounding for two years. He's the only player here at Elizabeth City that's been player of the year for for two 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 years back to back. It was just he was just a juggernaut, man. He's remarkable. Um, and then there's a kid named Angelo Sharpless, um, who is with the Harlem Globetrotters now. He's a, he's a, he's he he was probably the most box office of the three guys all right because he was box office and um we thought he was going to get drafted memphis was going to take him for a third in the draft his senior year uh, and it didn't happen but uh those three guys i would say out of the guys that i've coached probably were the top three with lou probably being probably I don't know, man. Between Lou and Hilliard, those those two those two boys were were were, were really special. Uh, yeah, my brother talked about Lou White all the time too. Yeah, that's, that was his favorite player. Yeah, he was ridiculous. If he knew how to act, he probably would have made the NBA too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, right. well, we got a, we got a super chat real quick. We got super chats. Yeah, drink more water came up. We appreciate you drink more water. He was like, uh, great show today. Thanks for the insight on everything, Coach. He was like, Coach, teaching me. Yeah, he, t- he taught me some stuff, too. I'm, I'm taking notes here. Yeah. So. <laughs> Appreciate it. Yeah. Is that the only one we yeah. have? Yeah, that's the only one we have. Cool, cool, cool. Well, look, man, that concludes another episode. Coach Walker, thank you for coming through. You are welcome to come back. Definitely yeah. insightful. Um, definitely like to pick your brain. So definitely you're welcome back anytime you want. Shelton, thank you for inviting another great guest. Uh, Man, for Shelton shooting like hundred percent from the field with the guests. He is, bro. <laughs> Every time he, he come up with a guest, man, it's like they, you just sit there and listen, man. It, it, it's yep. dope. We appreciate you, coach. We don't even question it. Shelton's right. like, oh yeah, I got somebody. All right, cool. Well, all right, uh, cool. Man, bring them on. Bring them on. <laughs> good. That's good. Yeah. So Shelton definitely has credibility. Uh, Coach, is there anything else you want to say before we get out of here? Oh, man, I appreciate the opportunity. I appreciate what you guys are doing. I didn't know much about it, so I'm looking forward to following you um, more. Uh, so now as we go through the summer, and, uh, uh, man, this is this has been a lot of fun, and uh, I'm glad that you guys got, got something out of, you know, me, me being here with you. Yeah, maybe of you course. come back on and get some playoff talk with us, some NBA playoff yep. talk. Yeah, you, you, you guys call me. You got my number anytime. We know we love to, we love to do it. All right, cool. That's what's up. That's what's up. Well, for everybody watching, again, we appreciate you guys. Next Thursday, we'll be back. Uh, We'll definitely talk basketball. We'll get uh, into some more depth in terms of basketball. Q should be back on. Uh, Manny should be on. So, yeah, man, we'll see you guys Thursday. But 
for FIFO, BZ, Coach Walker, and Shelton J. We out. Peace. Hey. Peace out.